God is all there is. How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Hi, welcome to Say Yes to Spirit. I hope you are ready to say yes to spirit. I am. Have I come to the right place? Yes. <laughs> this is the place. There's only one place, really. Is that the thing? There's only one place, and that place would be everywhere. There we go. There is no place. There is not. Exactly. So welcome. If this is your first time listening in to Say Yes to Spirit, my name is Tracy. I'm Leslie. And every week or so, we get together and have a conversation about what it means to say yes to spirit. What it means emotionally, physically, mentally, how does your life look when you say yes to spirit? And every week we have a theme, and um, the purpose of the theme is to both inspire us to talk about (laughs) saying yes to spirit and sometimes to challenge us to say yes to spirit and to figure out or to discuss and explore what your life looks like and how you behave when you say yes to spirit. So sometimes the themes are very spiritual, right? Obvious, yes. We have heaven, or like today. Um, And other times the themes don't appear to have any spiritual connection at all. But you'll notice I said they don't appear (laughs) to have any spiritual connection, but we find over and over again that they always do. Everything does. So what's our theme today? The net, I can't even say it, nativity story. Right. The nativity story. Yes, and, and that's, it makes me shake my head and be a little concerned that you can't even say it when you're the one who wanted to have talk about it. Just because I like talking about it doesn't mean I have to know how to say it. Oh, yeah. good yeah, that works. point. Yeah. Good yeah. point. So, yeah, our theme today is the nativity story, but before we get into that and what it means and um, how is the story of the nativity and the birth of Christ related to each of our lives right here and right now, we're going to connect the dots with last week, which actually should be interesting because last week had no official theme. It was the no theme theme. <laughs> Turned out to be about acceptance a little bit. But we talked a lot about acceptance. So um, any connect the dots? You know, it, I, I do love this um, concept of theme and putting into life. And for me, each of the players in the pretty scene are in a complete state of acceptance willing into how they believe they were being spiritually led. And that amazing opportunity for me to think about my life and how am I living that opportunity and accepting the depth of the truth of the spiritual experience that's really available to me. Because I think that nativity scene talks to me today very directly. That's a great connection. Wow, and I sounded so serious too, didn't I? I kind of get a different tone. I sort of, you know, stopped coughing. So there you go. Yeah. Well, and I think there's another connection. Oh, very good. Go, Tracy. Well, the fact that we had no theme. Mm -hmm. So if we truly think about the nativity scene, the um, which we're going to talk about more, but just the idea of the birth of Christ has all theme and no theme mm. combined into one. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it it was the birth of a different consciousness, and when you kind of have no theme and you're not attached 
to a specific theme or a specific goal or a specific, and you simply allow the breath of God to fill you, Mm. it's like, oh, okay, I don't have to have a theme, or my theme is just so broad, it is spirit's highest vision for my life, Mm -hmm. and it's amazing what will come through when I come from that consciousness. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, I like that. But you didn't have the music playing while you were talking, so it wasn't quite as exciting. But other than that, it was fabulous. going to be one of those days. <laughs> Welcome to Say Yes, yes Spirit. We're going to take a one-minute break, and then we will be back talking about our theme for today, which is the Nativity Story. Comments or questions, 347 850 1523. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Tracy and Leslie, and our theme today is the nativity story. Who are these characters, these people, and this situation, and what does it have to do with saying yes to spirit in our lives today? You know what I love about um, just the core of what we're doing, and we did this before, and I had such a good feeling about it, and I wonder why we haven't done it with other stories in the Bible, because I took, um, and I know you've taken, Bible and New Thought, uh, which is a class offered at the Center for Spiritual Living in Dallas, and it really brings the Bible stories to today, to the idea that, you know, this is not a book written in terms of like a history, and there's no, you know, it's not something to learn in terms of how people lived and you know who they were it really makes the bible come alive to understanding it's directly about me today and i am in every way every player of that bible at some point in some time and there is like an amazing here and now opportunity for me to take my spirituality to a deeper level when i really look at it not as some story that has some, you know, I I guess I used to think it had some sort of message maybe for me, but I never considered that I was Mary. I am baby Jesus. You know, that kind of idea. That every uh, character in the, the book is me. Right. I like I do like what you said, that at some point in our life. So I may not be every character in the book right now. Right. But when I think about my life. So maybe we, um, this is a, a a little sidebar, but maybe we should make a list of some of our favorite Bible stories. Right. And just do a yes. series. Yes, I would love that. It doesn't matter what time of the year we right. do it. I mean, I would, it just immediately was, came to mind were, you know, like Jonah and the whale and to I love that story. Oh, yeah. The prodigal son and that story. And, and Moses. And Moses, absolutely. Like Moses. At, at 
a couple of different stages of his life. Mm-hmm. There are great Moses stories that have a direct application to decisions we make, how we live. Mm-hmm. So, um, so maybe that's what we will do in a few weeks, and we'll just do a series of um, Bible stories and today or something like that. I love that. Um, but today we're going to focus on the nativity and um, and all the different characters or the symbolism of the nativity, which will also give us an opportunity to think about, so when has that happened to me or right. how is that showing up in my life? So where do you want to start? See now, I'm trying to think of the actual beginning. The actual beginning person is it Mary? Is she the first that the angel comes to and says you're going to give birth to the Son of God? Or yeah, that's one way. So not the scene at the birth, but the the whole story. You want to go back to? Okay, let's start there. Oh. Angel appears and says to Mary, "You're gonna birth a child," and Mary's like, uh, "Yeah, right." See that? Yeah. See that's the that's the moment there that I think. How does that apply to my life every day? Uh, you know, I really believe that there are so many intuitive thoughts I have. So many kind of moments of here, Leslie. Here's something you can do. Here's something you, um, you know, should's not the right word, but here's you know here's something that here's you're your next designed step. to do. Here's, here's your, your next, next step. step, right? And it just seems unfathomable to me, or it seems too big, or it seems too fabulous, or it seems too, you know, easy, or it seems too something, and I turn away from it. And so I can't even imagine, and I, you know, discount the idea that it's actually an angel, it's actually God, you know, I think I'm having a psychotic moment or some sort of And it's knowing you, you mental. could be. <laughs> but I've learned to tell the difference over the years, really, between, but, uh, you know, it, it really is a fascinating question of how often do I turn away from divine inspiration or divine voice saying, you know, do this. This is what I have in store for you. Right. And if it sounds like something that is fun, exciting, or um, desirable, wow. yes. we say, cool, yes, and we go around and we no, tell everybody. No, I don't. <laughs> No, I was going to tell everybody, guess what I'm going to be doing? And and they say, well, why? I just don't know. I just, this is what I'm going to do. They think you're nuts. Well, and then the other, the rest of the time, we hear the same, we get the same inkling, the same intuition to go in this direction. And we go, yeah, really, no, uh-uh. And not so much... I'm not even thinking about the times where we say heck to the no, you know, and we push it away because mm-hmm. we're afraid or something like that. I'm just thinking of the majority of the time where most of us just go, huh, wrong, you know, wrong, you Who dial the wrong, no, you dial the wrong number. I mean, you know, you, you, you got the wrong number, that message must have been meant for, for John or that message must have been meant for Debbie or, you know, and, and we just let it go by, right? We don't we don't pay attention, or you know, and that's probably the majority of the time that we don't even pay attention, or don't or discount the possibility. You know, I think for whatever reason, I remember I don't know who it was, Wayne Dyer, or someone smart, who said, you know, it's really a curious thing that we think we we have people that have such strong beliefs in the Bible and they take it even very literally. And then suddenly they think, you know, God just decided to stop talking to us. For whatever reason, God was so interactive back in the Bible days, and there was such a, you know, communication between the angels and the humans, and there was sort of a collaborative effort of everybody's on the same side, and let's work together to, you know, work this out and figure it out. And then suddenly God just said, well, I'm through. I'm done talking to you. And that just doesn't make Well, you sense. know, but you know why it makes sense? <laughs> Why? Actually, to our human brain, the reason that I think it makes sense uh-huh. is because most of us grew up exposed to a faith practice or a religion that said you had to earn God's favor. Mm, before God would talk to you again? Well, that you, that the human experience, you have to earn God's oh. favor. So if I don't perceive God's talking to me, 
I assume I've done something wrong, mm. that I have sinned, that I have done something that puts me out of favor with God. So mm. that's why God's not talking to me. And I so, I mean, I think it's it's the way the human brain works in the human logic of things that, you know, then we go to the next level. Number one, we're not surprised that God's not talking to us because we know what we've done and it hasn't been good <laughs> and, or good enough. Good enough. Mm. And then we then take that into guilt and shame. And then if we have a dream Queen or believes. something... Mm. Or that seems like God is talking to us, then we say, I'm not worthy of that. Because mm, we're oh, believing no. that guilt and shame, yeah. Wow. And, and so we push God's voice away, even if it does come, it, you know, even if we do recognize it, because it's always there. So I get it from, you know, whoever said that, and I would say that too. I mean, God's voice is always present. Yes. That is the nature and, the, and that is the nature of God, always present, all-powerful, all-knowing. And so God's voice is always present. And so, yeah, why would I think all of a sudden, after all my faith and all my belief, that this energy would stop communicating with me? Well, I can get there because I have a different, broader spiritual perception mm-hmm. of life and of the love of God. But for most of us, most I think, especially in the U.S., our perspective is much more a give and take, an earning. Right. If I do good, then I can. Right. And so, of course, God wouldn't talk to me. And do we know anything about Mary? What kind of person she was? Was she a good person? Did she have a faithful life? Or was she sort of just an average girl on the Bethlehem Street? Any ideas? Um... I'm stuck on. I'm stuck on. Do we know anything about her? Was she a good girl? And and you know, and my immediate. My. I'm just thinking. Would she think? Oh yeah, I'm the one God would pick to give birth to His son. Or would she think? Oh, what is He thinking? That you know, I went out and slept with a Fred last night. I can't be that person. Or she was a virgin. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. Right, that was an important part of the story, wasn't it? Yes, right. So then, if she was a virgin. Then you would assume she was a pretty good girl. Really? I guess that would be the standard. She could have been a murderer. <laughs> or, you know, she could have been that boss you had that you hated. Or, but no, um, yeah, the, there's no reason to believe. But I, anyway, I'm stuck on good because that's how you started. Was she a good girl? And I'm thinking, in the eyes of God, we're all good. Everyone is good. Everyone is fulfilling his and her, his or her um, path, mm-hmm. purposeful path. And so it's interesting. I, I kind of almost didn't track what you said after that because I thought, well, of course she was good, and so is everybody else. Everybody's good. Everybody's good from the perspective of spirit. Um, the only reason we label people as not good is because we created some kind of cultural structure right, in judgment. our community that results in if you do these things, that's not going to work in this culture or in this country or in this religion or in this faith, you know. But in the bigger picture of thing of things of the spirit of God, selecting people for paths to do important things, it's like everyone is eligible and able, which is actually directly connected to our point today that every character and every part of the nativity story applies to every one of us. True that. Very good. So so now next in our slate so, would be um, Joseph. Sure, we could talk about Joseph. Actually, I don't know that there's... Okay, there might be for some people some sense of order. So, yeah, let's do Joseph. <laughs> Those of us who, you know, have a rather... In the bounds, kind of thinking, Joseph, because he would be the next one that the angel came and said, "Mary is carrying God's son." Right? Do I have that right? And he was dating Mary. But did the angel come to Joseph, or did God come? Okay. Did God come to Joseph? Who came? Or did Mary come to Joseph and say, "I'm pregnant"? 
Oh, no, no, no. I don't think Mary came to Joseph. I think an angel came to Joseph. Did Mary come to Joseph? Good Lord. I should have read the Bible before we did it. <laughs> so here's the thing with Joseph. The the issue or the the lesson with Joseph was Joseph took on responsibility right. for a child, for raising a child that wasn't his. And he believed when his beloved said to him, this child is not, whose name did I use before, Larry, you know, she hadn't gone out and slept with another man, that this was a virgin birth. He believed. Whether he believed it or not. He took action as if he did. His action was, I'm committed to this woman and I am committed to this child. So we don't know whether he believed it or not, except, I mean, and isn't that's an interesting thing because in our lives we talk about what we believe. But I I often ask this when I'm doing classes or workshops. If if I had a camera crew that followed you around, like if it's a week, a class that meets once a week, when you leave this class tonight, my camera crew is going to follow you around 24-7 until we come back to class next week. I don't, I will not ask you what you believe. I will ask you seven days from now, I will tell you seven days from now, based on the film, based on the film footage, what you believe by what you do. No, you can't know that. And so what I, what what happened for Joseph is his actions, his actions reflected his beliefs. Now, I agree with you that I can't <laughs> dictate exactly what you believe because we know actions we do actions for lots of different reasons right. in the real world, in in our lives. And it can look like one thing. Not but, that I do that. I'm not that person. But and, people have been known to act one way and think another. And so we're not talking about think. We're talking about what do you really believe. What do you really believe often which you can't even articulate? So not the tenets of your religion, although if that's how you live, then I should be able to tell that. Mm-hmm. So it might not be word for word, but the the universal spiritual principle will be this is how you behave. So um, that's what Joseph did. He, by his actions, mm-hmm. basically demonstrated that he would do, quote, unquote, do the right thing. Whereas in his day and time, the right thing would be, you're pregnant, I haven't slept with you, you're impure, and I will have nothing to do with you. Not only will I have nothing to do with you, you will be stoned. Stoned. I was going to say, she could have been killed. Right? Yeah. I will shame you, and the community will shun you. And he did none of those things. He stood by her side. He walked you know, with her on the journey, not just the journey to Bethlehem, but the journey. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, what an amazing commitment on on blind faith and on right. and from being committed to doing to acting from love. I like that. I like that. Being committed to acting from love. All right, so now you take, that's the beginning. I just wanted to do those two characters because I really do think that's interesting, that they believed what was said to them, that they took that they took action on their divine intervention. And so now there's other. Okay, so we'll the go to the journey picture. to Bethlehem. So why were they on the way to Bethlehem in the first place, in the... Um, on the surface, in the first place, they were on their way to Bethlehem. Census. Ding, ding. I know the answer. <laughs> it's like Jeopardy. I'm so proud. It's funny. And so they, but but metaphysically, the idea of going to Bethlehem is the journey from the past to the future, from the old to the new, from what you've known all your life to being willing to take a journey mm. to 
a place that you have no idea what it's going to look like, an experience that you don't know exactly, and the way to get there is not easy. It's just kind of hard for us to imagine in this day and age because we just jump in our cars or if we live in a big urban area, we know that there's this intricate system of subways and buses and light rail and, you know, mass transportation. Or if I want to, you know, go from Dallas, Texas to Hawaii, you know, well, I'll just get on the plane and I zip over there. So, but now say more about, so the journey is from what we have known into the unknown? Into a new place, to a new destination. They knew their destination. Their destination, you know, they knew where they were going, but it was hard to get there. It wasn't easy to get there. Mary's pregnant. They have to walk. Right. It's a long way to go. And, you know, I love one of the images that comes to mind for me about the journey to Bethlehem is you, they could only take it one step at a time. Right. And we want to go from step one to step 30,000. From Dallas to Hawaii. In one step or in two steps. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, the, the fact that they walked mm-hmm. reminds me that. You know, when you are on this path, even when you know where you're going, where you're headed, you don't know exactly how it's going to unfold, but you know where you're headed. You can only do it one step at a time. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. So um, the the other thing about the journey to Bethlehem with Mary and Joseph on the journey to Bethlehem is that they were just common people. Yes. They were just common just. They were common people. They weren't special. They weren't, they weren't Oprah. gifted. They weren't Oprah or Eckhart Tolle <laughs> or Neil Donald Walsh or Marianne Williamson. Right. They were just like you and me. They were an everyday person. Right. And they, <coughs> they too have access to the Christ consciousness. In fact, Mary's birthing the Christ consciousness, you know, that it is for each one of us to take the path one step at a time, to say yes to spirit, to do what we're to do today and keep moving on that journey to Christ consciousness. Is there some metaphysical point to the idea of it being a... um like a nine month journey is there any is there any wisdom behind that there's that it again doesn't just it can take place in an aha kind of second you know in a moment moment I understand that transformation can, but many times, like you're saying, the journey itself shows us when we get to the hotel and there's no room for us, right get to the inn and you know we're turned away. Do we give up on the journey, or do we go and sit in the barn, you know, and, and cover ourselves with hay? I mean, you know, there's there's all sorts of opportunities along the way to kind of, for me, to get discouraged and to say, well, I must have misinterpreted. You know, this must have been, I, I am crazy. This this isn't for me. Yeah, and you know, I I think I think yeah, I agree with that point. I think it's. It is, and there is a, you know, I don't think it's nine months. Just like in other stories in the Bible where it's 40 days and 40 nights, mm-hmm. I mean, the point is that it, there's, a, there's a process on the physical side of life. Right. And we're wearing these suits, these human suits, these earth suits. There's a process that the physical body or the combination or the, you know, there's there's process. And so whether it's nine months, whether it's 40 days. And I think I, one of the things I, I try to remember is that the Christ consciousness existed at the moment of conception. So at the moment of conception, it was done. 
at the moment oh, that, that Mary became pregnant, it was done. Oh, that's really interesting. The the child, the Christ consciousness and the child existed. Physically were there, yes. Yeah. It, it was done. It was, you know, like God. It's done. And then the nine months or whatever, however many months, seven months, 14 months, I mean, there's no number in the Bible. We say nine months because we have science now that tells us it takes nine months to from conception to birth. You know, but when the people who wrote the Bible, they didn't say nine months because, you know, but right. they had life experience of watching a woman have a baby. But we have language now that's about, you know, at the moment of conception, God's work is in some ways done. It's that seed is planted, it is full, it is whole, and then it has the knowledge within itself, the nature within itself to create the organs and, you know, and then to be birthed. And so I, it is true. We have an idea or we have that intuition. It's, that's the moment of conception. In our day and age, we think, I have the idea, okay, it should be done. Tomorrow, I should be making a million dollars from that idea. So the concept of the journey, of the birthing, the the actual walking, right, step to by step, Bethlehem, and the different things that happen to us along the way, it's part, it's of part the of experience. Oh goodness! So yes, okay, you jump to uh, no room at the end. So they get to Bethlehem, and there's no room at the end, and the innkeeper is, it's not personal. It's not, I, he looked at, at, you know, at. it's not like I showed up at the door of the inn and he looked at me and said, oh, you know, you're black and we don't have room for black people. And it's not like, you know, you showed up at the inn and he said, oh, we only have room for men, there are no women allowed here. Um, or... You work in the jail. No, we don't want you here. You might, you know, guilty by association. You see those women several times a week at the jail. You, you've probably learned some things from them. You might, you know, steal from me. It wasn't personal. But we do take everything personally, don't we? I do. Should I say hi? I do. It's, our, it's, a, it's like they, they like stayed up all night just to, you know, pick on me, right? Just to cut me off on the highway. So there was nothing personal. And on the Mary Joseph side, Mary Joseph Jesus side of the equation, it was time for that baby to be born. And that baby was going to be born whether there was room at the end or not. Oh, now that's interesting. That the impulse of spirit is unfolding, and sometimes we don't have control over when it actually comes together, and whether we're ready or not. Whether the oh, that's interesting. You know, whether we have created all the conditions that we would we think we need, yes, or not, it will come. That divine idea will be birthed in the perfect time. So yeah, some of the things that seem look like obstacles to us that we get all wrapped up in and all crazy about, like the in owner saying, sorry, no room here. We don't have a room for you. We get crazy. And then we start fighting the the inn owner, the fact that there's no room or that there's the barrier here. And we spend all our energy fighting that when we should still be nurturing what we know is our path to take. Right. Isn't that interesting? Because that's a much more familiar energy in many ways for me to fight or to say, oh, no, I had this image that I was going to give birth in that room on that bed, and now it's all terrible. Now it's all different. Or we become the victim. Oh, yes. Well, I don't know anything about that. But, yes, I've heard about that, the victim. That somebody is, yes. Yes, I'm very familiar with that. He didn't put somebody out for me and now... You know, now. This always happens to me. Why does this always happen to me? I get so close and then it all falls apart. So the inn, owner of the inn, no room at the inn, but says, you know, you can be out there in... 
did, so did he offer that in the story? That makes him not such a bad guy. If he offered the barn. Well, can you imagine? <laughs> you can go sleep with the animals. Well, and maybe you don't know, you know, and imagine how that exchange might have been. Because what's not clear to me is if it if it was obvious that the birth was about to happen. I I don't have that sense. Like I don't have that sense. Oh, the innkeeper it, knew, or that Mary or Joseph knew. I mean, obviously she's pregnant. Obviously, that's a physical condition, and she's got to be. If, oh. if the baby's born, right? So it, it's got to be visible that she's pregnant. Uh, but I can imagine the exchange being one of you know, kind of Joseph. Look at my wife. We can't take another step. We've been walking for a week. We need to lay down and rest. That that sense of knowing mm-hmm. we need to stop here. Mm-hmm. We need to stop. We are here. This is our destination, but we are here. We need a place. You know, we can't. We can't just be out on the street. We've got to have a place to rest. And the innkeeper saying something like, well, you know, I don't have any room. You're welcome to, you know, go lay out there with the animals. At least you'll be covered and warm. Or, yes, I mean, would it, because Joseph and Mary would not have just walked into. So he offered that up. So that's interesting. There's some sort of something there. I think many times if I look for, there's always kind of a window. So, of course, this is the 21st century, So, and we've already talked about how our perceptions are different in our day and age, especially in the U.S., but see, there's a part of me, having watched way too much TV and seen too many movies, there's a part of me that could imagine the innkeeper saying, but not really offering it from a loving place, but just kind of saying smart alecky, with, you know, I don't have any place here, a room for you. What, you want to go out there and lay with the, you know, get in the straw with the animal? Go ahead. But not mm. offering oh, it. I when see. you said the word offer, right, right, right. I'm like, you know, there's not a whole lot in the story that makes me believe this innkeeper was acting from compassion ah. and may not have even been offering it really, but just saying, you know, there's no place here. You can go lay with animals for all I care. Do you know what I mean? And having Mary or and or Joseph realizing that is a place that is better than being out on the road, on the open road. Right. And and if we think about the whole um, idea of we are all connected, all creatures have been created by God, and all that that also provides a place that we are all equal. That the human being is not better than. I like that. See, I love that part of it. That. We are all the animals of God, and the animals are loving presence of spirit, just as in this day and age we know that often our animals, our pets and our animals, represent the loving presence of God more than our human ego that's going, no, don't do that, do this. Yeah, I love that. I love that part of the story. The animals were there at the you know, birth, and they were the sort of a a symbolism of unconditional love and welcoming. And it, tell me more, do you have an understanding of the story of the, when you say the birth of the Christ consciousness? To me, that's something that kind of can happen, that kind of happens again and again for me. I don't know how, how can I say that. That like, I can have an intellectual birthing of it and then an emotional birthing of it and then the experience of it and with a nativity scene be kind of a reflection of the experiencing of it or... Well, I think even just the nature of us doing what we're doing now, talking about all the different pieces of the story and then saying, oh, how is that alive for me right now? So, like with the mm. with the manger being quote unquote relegated to or punished to to be in the manger uh, or to be so poor. I mean, there's a 
there's a part of us in 21st century, in the 21st century world, that would say, wow, they were so poor they couldn't even afford a room or, you know, there was no room for them that they could afford. Mm -hmm. You know, there was no room at that end. And, you know, was it really that there was no physical room at that end or for the money they had there was no room at that end? Or was there no room at that end and and there was no room at any end? Because we don't know if they went to 40 different possible places. We Mm -hmm. just know that place. And so going to the manger does that whole thing of removing class, as well as what I said before about, you know, all creatures of God are part of heaven. Mm-hmm. So no matter where you, where they had that baby, they would be in heaven. They would be connecting above, so below. Um, and I've been really, in, in, in the last probably three years, having some really interesting experiences around this idea of class and, um, you know, how... I didn't have a a sense of being better than other people or people who had less money or less experience. I didn't have that from the inside out, and maybe that's intellectual. But I I think I also, to a big degree, didn't live my – I lived my life in a way where I interacted with all levels and all classes of people on a regular basis. And – In the last two and a half to three years, I've had much more opportunity to sometimes think about, okay, really look where you live and, you know, how how many people could not afford to live in the neighborhood that I live in. Or, you know, I've had two or three big shifts in my closet. You know, when I think about when I, you know, worked in corporate America and, and this was casual, you know, there was casual Friday, but four days a week was not casual, it was business attire, and I was at the executive level. So when I look at all the, you know, expensive, expensive clothes that were in my closet, most of which are not in my closet anymore because I don't wear them. I don't wear them. I don't dress that way. And, you know, look at all the jeans and and T-shirts and sweatshirts that I have now. It's like, oh, removing class that in the story of them going to the manger and being a reminder that Christ is born from within. And Christ exists no matter what your physical circumstances are, no matter, you know, whether you're wearing St. John knit designer suits or Escada designer suits or whether you're wearing jeans you paid four ninety nine for at Goodwill. And what's interesting, I think, when when I've noticed, when I'm in touch with Christ consciousness, when I'm living from that state of mind, people respond differently. And you know, it's the other, some of the other players, their response to the birth of Christ is kind of how I've seen when I'm really living in that Zen flow then people pick up on that. There's like a, it, it's an encouragement to all around me. And I don't know how to um, think about in terms of, regardless, like you said, wh- where I am in my human experience, if I have money or I don't have money or on the, you know, um, living in the right part of town or the wrong part of town, it's an energy within me that creates the connection. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And the energy and the energy that pulls the wise men now I get get confused. Are the wise men the same as the shepherds? They're different, aren't they? They're different. The shepherds the shepherds were the ones that stopped their work, right? And went to follow the star. Now there's a question mark at the end of that sentence. Aren't they the ones that put down their work? Well, of course, because working. the shepherds were shepherds by they name. Were they would be working, right? Right. And wise men wouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, very funny. Speaking well, of class, yeah. Speaking of class, 
Okay, so, so everybody follows the, the North, I mean, the star. So let's talk about the meaning of the star. Tell me about the meaning of the star. Um, the meaning of the star. The meaning of the star is light, awareness, enlightenment is here. You know, this was a big star, and it was, you know, it was attracting. It was attracting mm. people of all classes, of all stations in society, because this this consciousness has been birthed. This purity, this innocence, this wholeness has been birthed. And so, yeah, the shepherds, you know, the wise man, it didn't matter. The star itself is just that symbol of brightness of it is, here is the light. The light is here. And and, and I'm laughing inside because I know what I'm getting ready to say. It's like the line from the, you know, from the old movie, campy movie, go to the light. <laughs> or when people, you know, have a, right. a death experience right. but are revived or come back. And it all, all, over and over they talk about, I just went light. to the light, right? Well, the star go to the light and the light is accessible to everyone the light you can everyone can see this light yes. it's so bright but and, will you go to it and aren't we that light when we're living in the Christ consciousness yes if we are living in if we are living in full Christ consciousness then well we are the light and or the light is shining so brightly in the sky around right. us in our in our mind yeah. and in our behavior that other people it's what you said before, when you're there people come right. to you, are attracted to you, feel right. safe with you. Right. It's the star. It's, yes. That is the star from the nativity scene. So, you know, um I, I'm remembering that this is what happened the last time we talked about the the nativity scene or the birth of Christ that we start talking about it, and we realize we still have the wise men, the shepherds, we have the gifts that they brought, we have, you know, the angels, we have Herod, we have we have all these... Oh, Herod. We have all um, of these other pieces and elements to the story that now we kind of either either skip some of them and we rush through the ones that we do no, talk about. No, I don't want to rush. We could always do a two-part series. We could, and that would be possible. That would be possible. Okay. Because uh, I'm still fascinated by this concept that really, literally, when and when I'm in the presence of someone that's in the flow, I see that too. Like my spiritual teacher, Reverend Beatrice, when I'm even talking to her on the phone, there's something about just the energy that she gives off that it it is it is in you know it's inspiring it's not even defining it enough but it it's engaging it's energizing to me so it's like they came to give God Christ gifts but his light was giving them gifts at the same time it's a well, I don't know. I, th- I actually think about that a little differently. I-, I-, I agree with you up until that very last piece because I think, you know, going to the light, right? going toward the light, moving at a steady pace at a- in a determined way, in an intentional way to the light. Like the wise men did. Mm-hmm. Or like the shepherds, shepherds did. did. Like, you know, I am traveling toward that light. It is a clear intention. I've chosen this path. I'm right. going here on purpose. Right. And so for me, when I get there, if I'm the wise man, the gift, is a gift of gratitude for bathing me in the light. For it's not that Christ gave me that light. I stepped into that place in spirit. I stepped into my own my own light, light. Yes. consciousness. No, yes, right, right. And That's so from true. from that place of being in Christ consciousness, being in having that birth, experiencing 
that birth within me in my own way, I have gifts. I, I give the best that I have to the world. I'm not giving the gift to the baby. I mean, even though that in the story the wise men bring gifts, but it's I'm giving the best that I have. I have frankincense. I have gold. I have myrrh. It's the best I have to offer. And I gift the world with that. I bring my gift. Right. That's the key of that piece of the story. And every one of whatever us it has is that I have. our own unique yes. gift to the world. Right. And when we are operating in that sense of Christ consciousness, when we are operating in the spirit of love, we ask what would God do, what would love do, the gift that comes from us is unique. There were three wise men. They didn't all bring the same gift. Right, and not one gift was better than the other. Exactly. And each gift represented something different, but again, that's like our humanness. Each one of us represents a unique combination of the gift of God. And how many times do I sit around and look at it and say, all I have is frankincense, I want the gold. Or I have the gold, I want the myrrh. What is myrrh? 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 What is it? Frankincense? Myrrh? It is. I used to know what myrrh was back when I in my um, growing up days. <laughs> in your in your real biblical days. Um, and that's embarrassing a little bit, <laughs> but I have to actually go to Madam Google and then try to remember how to spell it. Yeah, it's interesting because I think all of us have, like you just said, our individual gifts that are the perfect gift. But I sit around and I look at somebody else's gift and I'm like, wow, why, why can't I sing like, see, you know. Yeah. And so myrrh is... Oh, what is myrrh? Which I thought, but I was like, I'd rather look it up than say the wrong thing. So myrrh is a spice ah. that was used in ancient times. And um, what was in my mind was it's an herb. It's a that that's what I was thinking. That you know, gold is a metal, and frankincense is uh, liquid and smell, isn't it? it, it yes, it's liquid. So you have metal, solid liquid, and you have metal, herb, and and liquid. And so, but myrrh is a spice. Used in ancient times, it showed up three times in the life of Jesus Christ. It was last used to anoint Jesus' dead body. Oh, I didn't know that. That yeah. kind of does full cycle. Yes, it's no... You know, the the different people who wrote different parts of the Bible did a really good job of closing the loop, you know, of uh, and reminding us of... Life is a cycle. That's really interesting. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, even though when I was learning the Bible, um, I was learning just the Bible stories and I was learning morality when I was a kid, mm-hmm. I was learning it. But to read it as an adult, you know, and really look, read the stories and 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 see how they're connected, it really is fascinating, you know. It would be so, you know, great. And, and I appreciate those people who literally have just read the Bible from cover to cover, year after year after year, mm-hmm. and can tell the stories, you know, because you see the cycle of life in so many of them. And isn't that interesting? I do think that's another thing that came out in that new thought in the Bible. The, 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 Within each story, there is almost a whole cycle of life, and a whole um, a whole description of how to how to like like even what we're talking about today. You know, how do I go from getting some sort of divine inspiration to then acting on it, and then not becoming you know tired or or, or you know um, discouraged along the way, and then understanding the the power or the the gift of what's within me already, as you said at conception, it was there, 
and there was there was this unfolding that occurred, but it was all there all the time. Yes. And that there's no big kind of um, it, it, it's a natural flow when I l- allow it to, and that everything has that kind of beginning and end. The stories within the stories. Now, who are the who are the angels that or the angels came to the shepherds, right, and said, "Come." Were there angels? Were there angels at the birth of Christ? So, in the whole story, the 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 big point about the angels is that. Well, there are a couple. One point about the angels is that yes, there there are intuition. There, like earlier in the show today, we yes. were talking about how we kind of get this message, and we and we think we may even think it's from spirit, and then we go, "What are you kidding me?" You know, when you were talking about when we were talking about Mary, right? You know, and like, okay, no God, come on, not me, or no God, you you got the wrong person, or. Are you kidding? That couldn't be a message from God. Um, and that, and we often, even in our language today, talk about, you know, my angels were with me. Or, right. you know, or, yeah, I just don't know, um, like you share a story uh, when we talk about intuition, about, you know, just having the intuition to go a different way and then finding out, or your sister, having right. going a different way and then finding out, you know, she missed a major major, major, you know, traffic jam or accident mm-hmm. or something. And and often when that happens to people they say, Oh, my angels were looking with at me. me. Right. And so in the nativity story that's the that's the big role of the angels. Yes. They appeared to the shepherds and said, you know, it was like the intuition, go now, go do this, go. And they went. See that's what I love. They went. Yes, and they stopped their work and they went. Followed their intuition. Which by design would be, you know, nutty. A little nutty. Really? A little or nutty. Or is it nutty to ignore? To, well, that's what I think is nutty to ignore, but I mean, it's, it's it's in our society. We certainly are, you know, doing the same thing day in, day out, the grind of it. And so our time is is running really, really close. But the other big, big thing about the angels, tell me, and the intuition is <laughs> well, it's like how do <laughs> like I you're channeling it? it right now? How do I just say it? So like the all of this in the is in the context of birthing the Christ consciousness within us. And allowing it to fill our lives and direct, guide, guard, and direct us, right? Yeah. And so our angel, our intuition, knows that the Christ consciousness is at hand. It's at hand. It's ready to be birthed. Oh, I see. Right. Okay. It is already existing. And so the angel is there to honor, acknowledge, and continuously pull us toward the birth or the rebirth of our own Christ consciousness. Oh, to kind of be the... the it knows, the, it sees it. Mm. It knows it. And it acknowledges it. When a lot of times in our lives, we're like, no, no, no. Or It's the town crier, so to speak. It's our personal... Oh, I like that. It's our personal town crier. That's cool. Okay, so we're going to have to do part two. In part two, we'll talk about the shepherds, what they did as a result of the angels. We'll talk about the wise men, the gifts. We will talk about Herod. Herod. The Herod I am, yes. And we'll talk even more about, okay, the birth, the actual birth of Christ. And the swaddling clothes, we didn't talk about the swaddling clothes. That's right, the swaddling clothes. We didn't talk about the... Oh, yeah, there's so much more to talk about. So um, I'd love to just stay on another hour right now, but we can't. So our time is up. And until we meet again and talk about the rest of the Nativity story, say Say yes to spirit.
Alexa, play Whitney Houston. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.